Welcome back. Welcome back to the Deep Dive Lyrics podcast. This is a podcast where each week I pick a song from the past or from the present or maybe someday from the future. And we go through the lyrics and we unpack all the deep and important meaning that was left behind within all the meaning that we just take for granted and and it goes right over our heads when we listen to this song in a playlist or at a party or in a movie and the song that we are talking about this week is called Mona Lisa and it was released for the first time in a movie in the year 1950 and it was sang at that point by a guy named Henry Spivak Henry Spivak something like that and whoever owns the rights to that movie, the, the movie's called Captain Carey USA. I've never seen it. And most old movies like that you can find for free on like YouTube or something. But uh, whoever owns the rights to it must have it locked down pretty well. So there you go. It's, uh, it's probably not a fantastic movie. A, a lot of those lesser knowns are not, uh, you know, I'm not, not that I'm... Uh, not that I'm ragging on old movies. I love old movies. I love a lot of old black and white movies, but I would suppose that this is not necessarily one of the best. Anyway, the song Mona Lisa was featured in this movie, and then I guess it went away for a little bit. People didn't really think about it until it was revived by a great, wonderful, wonderful, classy man named Nat King Cole. Well, he wasn't originally named, you know, the king was like a pun that came later. Anyway, not King Cole. Great, great uh, musician, great piano player and singer. And my understanding from the little that I've learned about his life is that he he was great at playing the piano, but he always wanted to kind of step away from that and just be a singer, to be a good old crooner, kind of like Bing Crosby or Frank Sinatra. And, um, and he succeeded in that pretty well. He succeeded extremely well, admirably well, considering that he was an African-American succeeding at a time when a lot of people were still invested in not seeing African-Americans succeed. So, um, Really, really great guy. You should listen to more of his music. Uh, so if you, if you haven't heard his name before, if you haven't listened to him before, that may, this will be a little, little introduction for you, the song Mona Lisa. Which, as it says in uh, in the ever so important Wikipedia research, the title and lyrics refer to the Renaissance portrait Mona Lisa, painted by Leonardo da Vinci. And hopefully, you know what that looks like off the top of your head. But if somehow you've lived under a rock your whole life and have never seen a picture of the Mona Lisa, or you probably have, you it's possible that you just don't know what it's called, but it's this lady who, at least from from all that we can see of it, you know, the, the interesting thing interesting thing about this portrait is that it has kind of decayed over time. So what we see it as now, and what we know it as, even you know, ever since it was ever since anyone was able to take a photograph of it or anything, is not exactly quite the same as how it looked when it was originally painted. Right now. It, um, it's a, it's a picture of a woman. I don't know. To me, she doesn't look really 
super beautiful per se. She's, she's a little bit homely, maybe. Um, again, taking into account that the canvas has maybe decayed a little bit and all that. Um, and she's dressed, I think, mostly all in black. She's got long, dark hair, and her hands are kind of folded in, in front of her. Anyway, um, if, if you see it, you'll recognize it, even if you don't recognize the name, and, and you probably do. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about, and all this exposition is for naught. Uh, so maybe what we should do is go ahead and jump into the part where I play the song for you and sing the song for you, and then what we'll do is ask any burning questions that come to mind, and we will make any initial impressions that spring to mind, and then we'll go through the lyrics line by line and talk about what kind of story the song is telling and what makes it so memorable and catchy and wonderful. And we will talk about the music a little bit on this one because it is very different from anything we've done before. So look forward to that. Here is the song Mona Lisa, which was written by Ray Evans and Jay Livingston. But more importantly, it was made famous, mostly made famous by um, Nat King Cole, the great merry old soul, Nat King Cole. All right, here's the song for you. Dreams have been brought to your door. 
I'm going to give you a little uh, music theory minute where I try as concisely as possible to say something meaningful about the lyrics and the structure of the song. So for the structure, this is a very short song, at least as far as the words are concerned. There are only 10, 10 unique lines in it. And this is a very different structure from the way modern music is constructed typically, but it was very common. It's kind of the, the typical formula of of this song's day of the big band era of the 40s and 50s and that is first you just sing there's a little intro and then you sing one verse and then that the the instruments carry the melody for the first half of an of a of a repetition of that verse and then the singer just sings the second half of the verse so um that's kind of how that goes it's the way a lot of songs back then went and it's kind of different and fun and uh, as far as the music here, we are, uh, this song base, is based on, uh, once again, just the one chord, the four chord, and the five chord, the three major chords of any key. And m- much like the song we did last week, A Race for Our Autonomy. Um, and yeah, the, it, so it has those three chords. There's also, there's also this minor four chord. So you can hear that's a little bit different. It gives a, a different sad quality to it. And the melody is very different, though. The melody is not by any means basic and simple. It's got, because it's got these altered notes. It, it steps outside of the key. Even in the very first line where you're going, Mona Lisa, that maybe you can hear that second note. Sounds kind of like it doesn't belong. It, it doesn't conform to the... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. It, it, it's, it's outside of that. If we forced it to be inside the key, it would sound like this. But instead, it's, it's got a really different... And this is something that you see hardly at all in modern music, but if you're familiar with it, it's probably because you've heard it in uh, Christmas music. A lot of Christmas music that we still enjoy today was written back then, and it had this same quality. For example... If you if the white Christmas song, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, right? It's that uh, that that note is stepping outside of the key. If we forced it to be in the key, it would be. But uh, but we have that alter note versus, and it gives it a, a bit of a unique strange quality and it fits in really really well to the theme of this song to the to the Mona Lisa smile that he says is mystic and that there's a strangeness to it right so it it works in especially well as 
it, it works along with the kind of the exotic nature of of the melody here or of the of the song itself of the of the meaning all right so um that was more than a minute but hopefully you learned something there and now let's go on and ask a few more questions uh for one thing here's something i noticed about the song is that it is full of questions i mentioned that the song only has 10 lines well six of those lines are questions or parts of questions um, so we'll we'll make a note of that as we go along. Why is the song so full of questions? What does that do for that for the song? Another thing to note is that it kind of feels sad, right? If you take just a super bird's eye view, just a super kind of shallow look at it, it 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 has the it has the lilting of a sad um, ballad kind of a, of a song. So. And um, that, that's all I think that springs to my mind about it immediately. It is very short, very condensed. It's surprisingly full as far as the story goes. It really does tell a story. And a lot of the songs written back then were not so much this way. A lot of them were just kind of simple and um, a little bit nonsensical sometimes. But this song really tells a story, really has some interesting specific ideas in it in spite of the fact that it is so short so let's go ahead and jump into that and see what we can pull out of this song so the first line he says mona lisa mona lisa it's like he's calling her name it's like he's uh repeating it in a uh, in, in a in a uh, uh a longing way he's he's in in a pleading way almost he's your name so Mona Lisa but then he says Mona Lisa men have named you you're so like the lady with the mystic smile so he's saying other people not necessarily me specifically but um, throughout this song I think he's deciding whether or not he agrees with the public consensus that this this woman who he's speaking to who he's writing to is like the Mona Lisa, right? So, um, yeah, he says, um, Mona Lisa, men have named you. You're so like the lady with the mystic smile. So you're like her. He's not literally saying, he's not writing to the painting or to the woman who the painting is based off of. He's writing to a woman in his own time there in, in you know, the 1940s or 1950. And he's saying, you know, people are saying that you're like this painting. Well, why is she like the painting? Because she has this mystic smile. So mystic, meaning it's it's got kind of a foreign nature to it. There's again, he says there's something strange to it. So, uh, and we'll get that. And and um, the third line, he says. So this is the first question: Is it only? Is it only because you're lonely they have blamed you? For that Mona, and this is the fourth line, for that Mona Lisa strangeness in your smile. So she, so for one thing, um, men have blamed you. So what are they blaming her for? What, what, what is the problem that, that people have with this woman who is being called a Mona Lisa? Well, there's a strangeness, there's a mystic nature to this smile, and 
if again if you you have to look at the painting itself to kind of get all this from it but if you do it it's kind of aloof the the smile is very slight it's not showing teeth it's not a wide grin it's just this slight subtle even kind of a cold smile so that's what they're referring to this is somebody who uh, a who who puts off the impression of thinking that maybe she's kind of above everybody or that she um she she just doesn't want to um kind of get in and engage with any anybody like she's just very much her own person and and uh, wants to keep it that way and not do anything uh except for keep to herself and so people are blaming her for that and if you take it from a kind of feminist angle, you could say, oh, how dare men expect this of women, you know, expect women to uh, respond to compliments or whatever. And yeah, sure, that's true. Uh, also, the culture was different back then, not only in that, you know, we thought of women differently, but we thought of everything differently. You know, people thought of everything differently. Um, not that I was alive back then, but... <laughs> Um, people back then in general were expected to engage with each other more. Um, I think today we've developed into more of an independent kind of society for better or for worse. And, uh, anyway, so, uh, so they're blaming her, but is it only because she's lonely? Is it only that she doesn't know how to engage with people is that and that's kind of the question that he's asking this is the first question so he says is it only is it only because she doesn't really understand is it that she's a little bit maybe um socially awkward and and she just doesn't quite understand how to have a uh banter with people or or how to you know respond to others and so she she gives off this impression of being just um, on her own, uh, you know, mountain, on her own pedestal and kind of away from everything. And so the, the guy who's writing this song or, or the guy who's singing it, Nat King Cole, is asking, is it only because you're lonely that men have blamed you for that Mona Lisa strangeness in your smile? And again, we talked about that, about what it means for her to have that Mona Lisa-like strange smile. And then he says... Do you smile to tempt a lover, Mona Lisa? So he's questioning, once again, this is a question. Is she, is she trying to bring someone in? Is she trying to, uh, you know, is it, is it a come hither stare? Is uh, she trying to, to tempt someone in? Or is this a way, for the next line, to hide a broken heart? So he's, he's weighing the options. He's weighing what exactly she's after. Is she trying to kind of um, bring men in with the assumption that she's just going to uh, use them for, uh, you know, companionship or whatever and then run away and, and once again not have anything to do with anybody? Or is this is this a defense mechanism, right? This The second part, this this next question is this the way you hide a broken heart that really humanizes her he's really trying to and wants to believe the best about her that she 
Maybe this is a defense mechanism because she's had her heart broken and she wants to protect that and she's so she's overly cautious. So that's why she doesn't get get together with anyone. That's why she kind of hides herself from everyone, doesn't allow anyone to know her, even though, again, especially back in that culture, people really wanted to know her. People really wanted to know each other um, more generally. And that may be that may be a big uh, fault of modern culture that we don't so much want to know each other anymore. So he says, do you smile to tempt a lover or is this way you hide a broken heart? He says, many dreams, there's that minor four chord, many dreams have been brought to your doorstep, but they just lie there and they die there. So he's alluding to this situation where apparently a lot of men or a lot of people, probably men, we're probably talking romantic type stuff here, where men have tried tried to pursue her, tried to know her, just tried to get to know her and, and even had dreams of getting to know her, being able to engage with her and um, kind of show her life and experience life with her. He says they bring their dreams to their doorstep, but those dreams don't go anywhere. They don't, uh, they don't make it over the doorstep into reality, right? They just stay dreams. So the dreams are brought, brought to the doorstep, but they just lie there and they die there and they're never realized. And then in the, in the end here, he says, Are you warm? Are you real, Mona Lisa? Or are you just a cold and lonely but lovely work of art? So, once again, he's, he's, he's trying as best he can to humanize her, to think well of her, and hope... And, and also, he, I think he's pleading with her, with him, kind of with her, with himself. He's, he's pleading to believe. He wants to believe that she is this warm and real person. So, so warm in the sense that she, she does desire deep connection, that she desires to be known, that she desires to engage with people and have relationships and, and, and be able to be one with you know her her community her uh, her her group of of people around her or he's he's leaving open the option here at the end is it possible that she is just this cold and lonely lovely work of art which if that's the case then if that's the case then the mona lisa uh term is deserved right this is the the mona lisa uh, name that that men have given her that the people have put on her is in one sense um, it's in one sense maybe complimentary because the Mona Lisa is thought of as a very beautiful woman again whether or not my own personal um, my own personal standards are quite there uh, <laughs> she's thought of as a very lovely woman but also people are calling her this because she is she she appears to be just like a painting that she that she lacks even the ability to to talk with someone 
that, that she's almost just this inanimate object that's just 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 a a cold and lonely lovely work of art right lonely because she chooses to be lonely lonely because she does believe that she's above everyone and she's just kind of got this she's got enough of that smile on her just to kind of tempt people in and and to to encourage them to kind of to want to have a relationship with her, but she'll never fulfill it. Is that really the way she is? But I, but I think that when he's when he's saying, "Are you warm? Are you real?" You can you can kind of hear it in his voice. You can hear it even just in the music. That 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 is what he's really after. That's what he wants to believe. I think it's what he does believe, and he is trying as best he can to convince her I think to open up and allow herself to be known and and if she's hiding a broken heart to to be able to uh, get past that somehow to to attempt to engage with people in spite of that broken heart once again a very short song but very condensed and really tells a full story right I mean you could could you could write a lengthy story on what all this is saying about a woman and her kind of pseudo relationship with this man who doesn't doesn't know her but he's seen other guys try to get to know her and he has a deep desire to to know her and he thinks that maybe she wants to be known but maybe she doesn't know how or maybe she's just overprotective there's a lot of moving parts to this story and it's all condensed into these 10 Lines and something I said very early in this in in this podcast in a in an early episode of this podcast is that the best writers a good a good writer of songs or or just of poetry what what a good writer tries to do is to be as meaningful as possible in as brief a time as possible you know I think Shakespeare was the one who said that brevity is the soul of wit and that's really true it's uh it's a lot stronger it's a lot more powerful when you can say something and not go on and on and on and on about it that you're beating people over the head with it that you're you know beating a dead horse it's a lot more powerful you can just say something short and sweet and get your point across and all the better if you can if you can find a way to keep it short and yet say something powerful and important and meaningful and so I think that that's what this song accomplishes and it encourages us it encourages us all to for one thing try to have try to avoid the Mona Lisa smile in our own lives meaning that we we should try to engage with other people we should we should try to be a part of the people around us and um <clears throat> and not just live our own isolated lives I think there's an encouragement in that. I think there's also an encouragement in people who are very um, extroverted. There's an encouragement to the, of them to think the best of people who maybe appear to to be this way, whether they're whether they're women or men. There are both who who seem to see themselves as aloof and desire not to get to know anyone but what this song I think encourages us to do 
is to think the best of them, to hope that they do really want connection and to seek that connection in spite of what the appearance is. So that's my impression of it anyway. Um, and, uh, that is why I like this song so much. It, uh, it's got a great meaning. It's got a, a beautiful melody and it's, it's so different. Anyway, this was a shorter episode, which is pretty awesome. I, I always enjoy doing shorter episodes and I think that they're a lot easier for you to listen to probably as well. Um, so if you want to hear more shorter episodes, then you should suggest more shorter songs to me. <laughs> um, or any songs at all. Pick pick any song that you think is meaningful. Even if you only have an inkling that it's meaningful, let me know. I'd love to get suggestions and be able to go through them and, and do episodes that can be important and, uh, and beneficial for you. You can do that. The best way to get in contact is by emailing me at deepdivelyrics.crow at gmail.com. Deepdivelyrics.crow at gmail.com. There's also a possibility that uh, I could have you on the... And, and we'll, we'll talk through the specifics of this if, uh, if it ever materializes. But I'd like very much to have somebody else on the show to discuss music to discuss lyrics, to discuss these things. And, uh, and so we can do that over the phone. We can set that up and, and then I'll, I can go out and edit all of the unhelpful parts out. Um, so I, I don't want you to be afraid of, you know, coming on the show just because you, th- you feel like you might stutter or something. I mean, I stutter all the time on the show. So anyway, if, if that's of any interest to you, email me, let me know. I'm also on YouTube and uh, Facebook and Twitter and, you know, um, all the podcast places, Google Podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, iHeart. I don't say that one very much. iHeartRadio. I'm on that one, too. Go and find all those and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, if you would, with however many stars you think this podcast merits. That would be lovely. And... I will be talking to you next week. Once again, I do not yet have a plan for next week, but I'm sure it will be something spectacular. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world to me um, to know that there are other people and I'm not just talking to myself here. <laughs> um, so we'll, we will talk again soon. I hope that you're doing well with all the crazy world out there. I'm try- I'm not talking about the, you know, event the the big event of today just because it's not uh i think it's kind of tiresome to hear about that stuff over and over again so all right i will talk to you again next week thank you very much again bye